Welcome to episode 111. That's the triple one of the Jackson Hole Connection. This episode's sponsor is Prue Real Estate. Should you have any questions about real estate in Jackson Hole, give Dan Bozoski or Greg Prue a call or visit Prue.com. That is P-R-U-G-H.com to search for current listings. And on my reflection episode for this week, it was with Ian Fitzsimmons from ESPN Radio. Ian's interview was episode number two. That is dose. And I guarantee you, listening to Ian will certainly entertain you. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week, I like sitting with someone connected to Jackson Hole and having them share their fascinating story about daily life. I really feel we can all learn something from each other, and I intend on searching out people where I can learn something from them. So today's guest is Lindsay Linton Buck. Lindsay grew up right here in Wyoming and comes from a family with roots which date back before this state existed. Lindsay shares with us why Wyoming is so special to her and how she worked her way as an artist to specialize in portraiture. Also as an artist, Lindsay will dive into the background of her podcast and pictorial documentation of women right here in Wyoming and their must-tell impact in the life of everybody here in Wyoming. As Lindsay says, be present with life, be open to the unknown, embrace it. Lindsay, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. I am um, excited for you to share your story and what you do for our community and, and the state as a, as a whole here in Wyoming. So thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Now, let's start off with sh you sharing who you are and what is your connection to Jackson Hole? Sure. My name is Lindsay Linton Buck. I am an artist and photographer here in town. I own a commercial photography studio, Linton Productions, which I opened in 2014, shortly after I moved back to Wyoming and back to Jackson in particular. I grew up in Powell, which is a farm town in the northwest part of the state. My dad grew up in that town and the Linton side of my family goes back to that area, the Bighorn Basin of Wyoming, before Wyoming was a state. So we have a pretty rich history in that corner of the world. And my parents love to ski. So like many people, uh, Jackson was a big attractor to them for that reason. They bought a second house here in the 80s. And so my brothers and I actually spent a lot more time here in the summers growing up. We all ski raced, but seeing as Powell was in the northwest part of the state, I grew up ski racing all around Montana. So we maybe have, you know, one, one ski race here a year, but spent almost the entire summer here and just have such fun memories of being in the Teton Science School programs and just being in the mountains, being in the wilds. Our parents would just let us run loose and I'm sure they had their eye on us, but never felt that way and just had so much freedom. And, you know, I think those experiences in Jackson and also in Powell, where I grew up, did make some sort of imprint. And uh, I mean, it must have because Wyoming kept pulling me back, even though I never imagined that I would end up here setting down roots and establishing my work and continuing to, to develop here as a creator and artist. Well, Thank you for sharing. And 
you're one of the few people that I've had on the show whose family goes back uh, so far. Uh-huh. And um, to be able to say firmly that goes back to even before Wyoming was a state is a lot of time, a lot of big, deep roots here. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. And I, I love our family legacy in Wyoming too. My great, great grandfather, father, Alexander Linton, uh, with his uncle started the Matitsi Mercantile. So if you're ever driving through Matitsi, Wyoming, that building is still standing. And that was really the hub for that community at that time. It was a big ranching town, still is. Uh, and then also started the first bank of Matitsi, which is now more of a historical building. It's not an operation. And, you know, in general, my family has kind of continued that legacy of being business owners in these small Wyoming towns, but I think also contributing to the community as a result. So I'm proud of that. And, you know, I, I'm more proud of it now being an ad- adult and having appreciation for mm-hmm. Wyoming, having lived in other places as a kid, I couldn't wait to leave. I, I love that you grew up in Powell and I, I don't have a lot of knowledge about Powell. So I'm very curious to hear from you. What is the community of Powell like? What What is the size? And then, because Jackson at this time is so different than the communities of Wyoming, mm-hmm. what were the differences, but then similarities between Powell and Jackson when you were coming out here as a child? Oh gosh. I mean, as a kid, I don't think Powell was that different than it is now. You know, it is, um, it's a farm town, mm-hmm. the main crops there, and it's, it's changing and evolving as agriculture has changed. Uh, but the time I was growing up, sugar beets were a huge industry, barley, beans, you know, now some farmers up there are growing hemp, um, but it's a big agricultural town. It's in a desert basin. So during the water reclamation period, that area had irrigation canals and that's why there's so many farms, but it's, it's, re- it's surrounded by mountains. You have the Beartooth Mountains and then the Bighorn Mountains, but it, they're, you know, 60 or so miles away from Powell. So it's much more of a vast, open and somewhat desolate space despite the crops and the agriculture and the life there. Um, there's also a really wonderful community college in Powell that brings in that academic intellectual crowd. So, you know, it's, it is more of that small town community where people are going about their day-to-day life, working hard and helping each other. You know, I think for myself living in Jackson, to me, it has a slightly more individualistic tone where myself included, you know, I think it attracts people that really want to come here and do and go and, and create. And there is an amazing community here as well. But we also have the tourism and we have this influx of population that Powell certainly doesn't have. I mean, it was, it's not on a tourist route. So I think that community is really strong here as well. You have to, or at least for myself, it's just taken, it's taken time to connect with that and build that network and community for myself through my business, through my clients, and then through the project. But wow, what an incredibly supportive community. I mean, I built uh, this documentary and portrait series, Women in Wyoming, and so many of my funders and people who have supported the project live here. It's such a philanthropic community, but also people who have really supported me and my mission and growth as an artist. So, you know, when I had that in Powell too, I actually went back to school for photography uh, in Powell uh, later in my 20s. And it just was 
a really nice way for me to reconnect with that community as an adult and have a lot more appreciation for it. As a kid, it felt very sleepy and, you know, <laughs> small. And I, I wanted, I've always been a big expansive thinker and my mom is not from Wyoming. So she exposed us to a larger world and I always just couldn't wait to, to leave and then ended up returning for photography school and then getting pulled back to Jackson throughout my life as well. Now, when you mention your, your work in photography, what is the subject matter that you are focusing on? People. My specialty is portraiture. I love working one-on-one with people. A lot of my process is this process of unlocking my subject and the person I'm photographing, similar to I'm sure how you conduct an interview. You know, you're trying to find the heart of their story, their energy, uh, and share that. And for me, that's, that's really what it's all about when I take someone's portrait is getting to that place where, you know, they can kind of come out and play. It's creating that comfort zone, that trust, but then really letting the energy come forth. And, and to me, that's what really makes a beautiful portrait. It's been a process to get there. I, I got into it uh, living in New York City right after I went to photo school and worked for a photographer named Peter Hurley, who is, I would say, the the authority right now on how to shoot a modern headshot. And he was the only photographer that called me back. I would call every single photographer whose work I loved, <laughs> cold called them, emailed them. I moved there. I had, you know, I knew people in the city, but no one in the photo industry. So I really, I, I got there from an internship, but the internship was three months. And so I, I really had, I really did the New York hustle. And after months I was working at a, a couple different jobs finally Peter called me back and he needed an assistant. And so working for him became my, really my training ground. Uh, he was running an incredibly busy photo studio in New York. He was photographing three people a day, four days a week. He had to turn a lot of people down because of his prices and his availability. So he would refer a lot of people to shoot with me. So I was getting real-time shooting experience, learning how to run a really successful, busy, busy studio. And when I moved back to Jackson, um, I was a little burnt out shooting portraits and headshots, but it's like, I have this skill. I know how to do this really well. I know how to run a business. Let me try. Let me see what I can do here. And that's how I started my work here. And it's just continued to really grow and evolve. Have you been able to learn from the people that you take their portrait? Like, have you had some takeaways from those people that you've been able to absorb from because getting deep and connected with them? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's, you know, my commercial work really parlayed into my project, Women in Wyoming, where in my project, I do formally interview people through the podcast. But my commercial work, before I take someone's portrait, there's always that informal interview process where I'm trying to understand as much as I can about you as possible so that when you get in front of my lens, we have that dialogue, we have that discourse. And then, yeah, I always learn, learn something, whether it's a challenging scenario, those are the times you learn the most about yourself and continue to grow, I think, as an artist and creator. But so many of my clients, they have these incredible backgrounds. I mean, it really runs the gamut, but I do, I feel like I'm so lucky to be here in Jackson, getting to work with some of the people that I do who are, have been huge change makers really in the world and they call Jackson home. So I love getting to work with some of these really incredible people that come here and 
learning from them about their path and their journey and their life. And then that's parlayed directly into my project where like you, you know, I'm sitting down having these conversations and uh, just the richness of wisdom and just those connections, you know, it's such, it is an intimate process. And that is something that I love is just to be able to connect with the individual and also be able to then share that story with others and share my experience with others. With your line of work, are you digital or are you still using film? Both <laughs> with my okay. commercial. I, I'm a little like Jekyll and Hyde with the two. Actually, my commercial work is much more produced. I shoot digital. It's quite technical and I shoot tethered into my computer. So the images are coming up on the big screen as we're shooting. I use that as an editing tool and to make sure styling looks great, you know, if I'm working with a woman client, often I have a makeup artist there. So it's, it really is this very collaborative and in-depth process that I would say is much more produced. Uh, for the project, I did not, you know, I wanted to shift away from that. So I shoot all film. I shoot medium format film. Part of that was because I knew I wanted to produce an exhibition where I wanted to print really large scale. And so I wanted a, a nice raw negative to work with that I could enlarge. Um, and it's often me, me, myself and I, you know, going around and working with these women. Um, it is much more documentary focused. My favorite uh, scenarios where I've gotten to work with these women is when I can really be immersed in their lives for a day or two. And obviously this was all pre-COVID <laughs> when we could do this. So I, but I enjoy both, you know, I, I like kind of the fast paced collaborative and just nature of my commercial work where I really feel like I can deliver a, a very high quality polished product to my clients. And then I like just being able to, to go out and have the surprise of, you know, feeling and hoping that I got the shot with my women in Wyoming subjects, but it's always, you know, it's always that fingers crossed moment when I get the film scans back, they, I send them to the film to a lab in LA. They develop and scan the, the film for me. Um, so I still get digital files back from that, but you know, I never quite know what I'm going to get. So I love that. <laughs> I love that process as well. I, I appreciate the, that you still use both, both mediums. I'm sure many professional photographers still use some, some film, but, but I like what you said. You don't, you're not, you don't know what you're going to get until Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it is making a resurgence actually in the wedding, the wedding market. Uh, there are a lot of film shooters, Carrie Patterson Shrouder, who's a top nationally ranked wedding photographer here in town. And she and I went to the same photo school in Powell. She was there before me. She's all film. And so it's really made a comeback. So that's why you can, you know, find these labs now that are processing film pretty easily. And yeah, I also think, you know, for the project, I wanted that physicality. I wanted like, you know, you can like see the film and feel it. And to me, there's, it just translates really well to how I feel about Wyoming, which is still kind of this like raw, rugged beauty. And so I think in that, my workflow in that regard, it, it works really well for that application. That's awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break from a uh, word from the sponsor of the show. And then we're going to get back into what this project is and for you to share with everybody what your podcast is, which is connected to that project. So we'll be right back. When you're thinking about making a real estate decision, it is important to go with someone you can trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Vazoski at Pru Real Estate to personally handle 
a real estate transaction. The service and attention I received demonstrated that I am important, and I really appreciated it. Greg Proust started Proust Real Estate in 2002 with you, the customer in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call at 307-733-9888 or visit Prue.com. That's P-R-U-G-H.com to connect today. Let them know you heard about them from Stefan, the podcast guy. Welcome back. We were just talking about you still use um, film to take your pictures and how there are, it's making a resurgence. But you've also mentioned a few times about your project, um, Women in Wyoming, and that there is a podcast connected to that. Let's start off with a big picture. Aha, uh-huh, big picture. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, uh, <laughs> a big Very view. appropriate, though. <laughs> uh, Tell us, what is Women in Wyoming? What is this project? So Women in Wyoming is a documentary portrait and interview series where I highlight uh, brave, strong, and impactful Wyoming women who are shaping the modern West. And since 2016, but pre-COVID, I will add, I traveled thousands of miles from, you know, here in Jackson to Upton, Wyoming, which is a tiny town of a thousand people in the northeast corner of the state to sheep camp in the Wind River Mountains to flying in the back of a Black Hawk helicopter with our only female medevac pilot out of Effie Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, Those are just a few of the experiences I've had on this lovely journey and quest to really illuminate the strength, power, and I would say wisdom of some of Wyoming's amazing women and girls today. What inspired you to begin this project? Well, I touched on it a bit earlier, but Mm -hmm. growing up in Wyoming, I never imagined I would have a future in my home state, uh, especially as a creative. So when I returned, I still had this question of Wyoming as limiting. And was that true? And I decided to challenge that idea and find out. And I thought I would connect with my peers to do that. Um, I had produced another project uh, photo series when I was going back to school for photography about some of the generational farming families in Powell, Wyoming, where I grew up. And I would interview them and I would just have my little recorder and we would sit down for sometimes three hours getting their entire life history and family history. And I just, I loved that part of the process. I loved hearing their voices. And then I would take that and I would write, you know, a narrative or a summary And so going into Women in Wyoming, podcasts were really, at that time, really coming on the scene. Um, My husband and I were doing a lot of commuting at that time, so we were listening to a lot of podcasts, and I just thought, maybe I could do this too, you know? I, I think something that's great about podcasts is it really runs the gamut to the super professional, polished, you know, by the journalists who have all the awards and degrees to just having conversations and having it be really casual, So it felt like something I could do. And again, just going back to those voices, I knew I wanted to capture those, but then be able to share them, not just store them on my recorder, but really be able to project those voices and and, and create a platform for these women to tell their stories in their own words. And the podcast name is Women in Wyoming as well? Yes. Okay. And how many episodes do you have? 22. 
So I'm not up to your speed. I, I produce the project a little differently uh, because I travel to work with these women. Mm-hmm. And because I have my business full time as well, I produce the project in chapters and it's five stories at a time. So I'm halfway through chapter five. <laughs> That's why there are 22. And the reason for that is uh, I had my son in December and I was working towards a big exhibition last fall that opened in October. So, and I actually very thankful I didn't finish that chapter because I felt like having a baby would be a huge evolution. I wanted to keep that last chapter or the fifth chapter. I say the last chapter because I feel like this is probably volume one that I'm working with, but I, I knew that would be a huge evolution. And then sure enough, our entire world has shifted. So I'm still in production for those final three profiles and, you know, navigating what, how do we share stories now? You know, is it, it's, I'm, I'm certainly not the same person, especially because becoming a mother. So yes. And, and now even just how I've produced the project, you know, I had that freedom, uh, more freedom and time to anytime I had a little break from work to hop in my car and drive seven hours one way to meet with my subject and stay for a day or two. I don't, don't quite have that, that time right now. So it is reimagining uh, this project in so many ways. Well, congratulations on being a mother now. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's the best. I and it. I wouldn't change being a father, trade that for anything. So even if you feel that it's on a small pause, it's worth it. Yes. And I'm really, I am really trying to, uh, you know, there's a part of me that always wants to, to get out there. And I, I know that, I know that will happen again. It's also, you know, frankly, it is kind of wonderfully timed with this time when our world is a little slower and more shut down. And I've been able to settle into that time with my son during this phase where he just changes so much every month. And, and then it goes by so fast is almost 10 months now. I'm like, we're going to be celebrating his first year birthday here soon. And the expression, the days are long is so true. But then you look back, it's just a blur. So it does go by very fast. And I'm, I am appreciative of the fact that I've been able to have so much time with him. Yeah. The days are long and the years are short. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this I, is true. This I is remember, true. Yeah. I remember somebody sharing that with us and I was like, yeah, so true. <laughs> so true. Okay. Someone said it for a reason. It is That's very right. <laughs> and you, you now have a, an exhibit that's um, on display and, and, and where is that? And um, how, do, how do people get to experience your, your artwork right now? Yeah. So uh, I built a, an exhibit. There's quite a few ways to experience the work, the project website, which is womeninwyoming.com. There's the podcast, social media. So there's all these digital realms where you can hear the stories Uh, But I did want to create something physical as well. Um, And so I created a large scale exhibit that launched last October in Cody, Wyoming at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West, which is uh, basically close to Powell where I grew up. So that was a bit of home turf and it's just an incredible venue and worked with two amazing female curators at their space for almost a year to, to launch that last fall. Uh, That closed in August and it's just reopened September. Let's see, what's the date? It is September 29th and today is opening day in Laramie at the University of Wyoming at their art museum, which is another incredible venue. And it will be there until July 17th, 2021. So 
you know, if you're in that area, I would highly recommend going to see the show in person. Um, and that's, that's really my big focus now is continuing to create the tour, continuing to expose it to Wyoming audiences and, and move it around our state and then bring it to the national and even international stage international. at some point. I love it. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it could definitely have legs outside of Wyoming. I think we have a lot to share uh, with the rest of the country and even the world. So we have some some pretty great venues mapped out right now that we're going to reach out to. You know, I think so much of my life and where I've gotten to where I am today has been the result of a cold call or just approaching someone who I thought I should talk to that person. And I feel like the worst that any of these venues might say is no. So why not reach out and share, you know, what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. My mom used to say that worst thing anybody can say is no. Yeah. You're in the same spot as before. You might as well ask. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now I've, uh, that's how I got to New York actually from photo school in Powell, Wyoming was a, was a cold call to a photographer whose work I idolized and asked if I, if he needed an assistant, which they were like, who are you calling from where? (laughs) (laughs) But that ended up, that turned into an internship. That's got what got me to New York and really set me on my path to so many things. And there's been a few examples of that in my life. So I'm a big fan of the cold call, big fan. Cool. And if somebody were to go see the exhibit in Laramie now, how many women are you featuring in, in the exhibit? So it's the 22 women I've, I've profiled so far in chapters okay. one through five. And then I also have created an audio layer of the exhibit uh, because there's so much wisdom in their stories and voices. So when you're going through the exhibit, you'll see large scale portraits, but then you'll also hear their voices. And I've created this soundscape for you to get those sound bites of their wisdom and their stories. And then I am also developing uh, a way now post COVID where user or people going through the exhibit can also share stories about the women who inspire them because that's something that's also really important to me. You know, I'm one person and these are stories that I feel are very universal and I hope metaphorical that they are this mirror where, you know, maybe you can see a reflection of yourself in these stories. But at the same time, obviously there are so many more women behind beyond these 22 stories that are that are worthy so the center of the west we had a wall where people could share their stories and and write or draw now due to covid you know we can't do things like that so i have created this google voice number where you can call or text and leave a message with those stories about the women who inspire you and then i share those on my project platforms and uh hopefully with the with the recordings that can become podcast episodes or it's compilations of you know all of you sharing your stories about the women who have inspired you in your life as well i i love technology and how that can um help you continue sharing and, and providing other people's stories. And so you have a Google voice number where people can call in and, and share their stories. What is that number? Well, thank you. I have it right here. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look it up, but it is 307-296-7560. Again, that's 307-296-7560. And you can call or text that number. So if you text the number with a story about a woman who inspires you, we can translate that to our Instagram posts and 
you know, who knows what else in the future. And then if you leave me a message, that's something I can potentially share on my podcast. So I'd love to hear from you and hear your inspiring stories as well. Yeah, I, I'll share real quick a, about a friend of mine. She's unfortunately no longer living. Her name was Link Hibbard, and she was a pioneer in the world of cross-country skiing and kayaking for women. Mm. And she started kayaking when uh, women didn't kayak and when women didn't cross-country ski. And she was at the Olympic level of competition. And back in the 70s, ABC Sports, they had the ABC Worldwide of Sports, and they just this segment on kayaking the Grand Canyon and there were two women in it and she was one of the women in there. Wow. And I remember going over to her house once and she was one of the old guard regime as far as some, some of the folks that she hung out with. And my friend and I were over to her house and she brings out this jacket, like put this on, check out what this is. And it's this huge red puffy with this fur hood and it's Eddie Bauer and she said that was Barry Corbett's jacket that he wore when he had his Everest expedition. Wow. And we took it off and said, you can have this back. <laughs> wow. No, That's amazing. That. And yeah. so was she a family friend or how did you know her? I just met her through somebody else and she was such a delightful, caring person. And she could really look into your soul and ask you questions and if you ever had a problem, you could go share it with her. And in the end, she would say, what are you going to do about it? Uh, she would yes. challenge you. She wouldn't just let you talk about something. She should challenge you to say, well, you need to do something. Mm. And Which is how she got to where she was, you know, oh, what she indeed. accomplished. Yeah. yeah. And, and you would never know meeting her on the street, some of the things that she accomplished. She was just happy to talk and, and be around other people and have a delicious gin and tonic on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you yeah. for sharing that about her. Yeah, in, indeed. And you've talked to so many inspiring women in this state. What about some stuff that you've learned from these in, inspiring women that gets you thinking and saying, wow. I, I, I want to do something as, as well, um, mm. or I want to apply that to my life. What have you learned that you could share with us? I think over and over and over, because the way that I, the format of my interviews is long form. So I start at the beginning and to where they are now. And even women who I would, you know, before I would interview them, like Justice Marilyn Kite, she's our first Supreme Court justice, first chief justice in Wyoming. You know, she's in a she's in a field that seemingly follows more of a tra trajectory. All of these women, including these women in some of those fields where you would think, oh, you had planned this or that's what you always wanted to do. There were so many there are so many moments of surprise in all these women's life and often their big break or big contribution um, or just where they're at now was the result of something in, in a lot of cases, totally unexpected. And just them being in a receiving place in their life where they were maybe ready for a change or frustrated with some scenario and took action on what showed up. And so I think for me, that has been really helpful to A, be, try to be really present with my life, especially as an artist and creator and be open to that unknown, which 
we're all living in right now and which can be really scary at times to embrace that. Uh, but I would say connecting with these women over and over, you know, who, who they are necessarily hasn't had a big shift. It's just their connection to themselves and then their openness to having their life unfold in a way they could have never expected. So that's probably one of my biggest takeaways from the project is just being open to that evolution and change and embracing it and going with it. Wow. <laughs> I love it. And, and the part about you just have to embrace the unknown and, and what's going to change. I think that's what's helped me just keep on going during this time. Because if you don't, I don't, I don't even want to think about the alternative if you just don't embrace it and go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We almost don't have a choice right now, actually. You know, it's like, Oh, we can try to plan next month, but um, <laughs> we really don't know. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, especially in this time that holds true. And then for me becoming a, a mom and a parent where, you know, your child is in the present all the time. They're just being all the time. It's just this call to join them. And, you know, I think there will, there's always the part of me that feels like, okay, what's next and wants to drive forward and create and, and do these things. Uh, but I am trying to settle into more of these phases of unknown, which I'm, you know, we're all in to a big degree right now. Yes, we we are mm-hmm. in, in a big phase of, of unknown and, and we'll get through it together and people listening and, and myself tuning into your podcast and, and hearing the stories of the people that you've interviewed that will help me and mm-hmm. well, because we all live our lives as individuals, but at least we can learn from each other as well. Absolutely. You know, and I would say that action piece, tell me the name of your friend again. It was Lynn. Link. Link. Link, Hibbard. Link Hibbard. So Link, you know, you just do something at the end of the day as well. I, I think that is the other big takeaway from these women at the end of the day, they did something, you know, or they're doing something. And, you know, we have to move ourselves forward at the end of the day, even with my project, it was such a labor of love and such a huge, it is such a huge passion for me, but I had to move that forward every day, you know, from the funding to reaching out to the women on, uh, you know, sometimes having to follow up with them multiple times to, to get the interview scheduled or the port, it would sometimes be months and just that persistence, <laughs> but ultimately putting yourself into motion, putting yourself into motion because that will lead to the, the next motion and iteration. And, you know, it's okay to pause as well, but my, being mindful of that pause, like, are you holding yourself back? Where is that inertia coming from? ultimately, you know, we are the creators of our life, I believe, and we have the power to move ourselves forward. Well, Lindsay, I'm very, I'm thankful that you don't stop and you keep going and you don't take no for an answer. Um, (laughs) Just like when you went to New York City to find a, your internship was up and you needed to find a job and you kept pushing and finding the right photographer to work with, but connecting with these women of Wyoming and sharing their stories. And um, I I would love it if if you did your own episode as well. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah. Yes. I think that that needs to happen because it's, uh, and that, that is something I have been working on very quietly right now is just writing every day. I do think there is a book 
in there as well, probably for the project. So I have been writing and exploring what that could look like, uh, but it's certainly been an incredible journey and I have learned so much. I mean, I certainly can't tell you all on this podcast. It's just every, every person similar probably to you in every interview, there's something, a new aha or moment learned. And yeah, it's just been lovely. Yeah. Well, it'll be a, an amazing gift for you to give to your son and any future children that you have and future uh, grandchildren that you have and the rest Thank of you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. He, Hank, my son is top of mind for this story. You know, I want to write it for him and exactly. I want him to know his mama and, and leave something behind. Cool. Well, Lindsay, thank you for sharing your insight and your passion for photography and for people and sharing other people's stories. You're making a wonderful impact in, in this community and in the community overall, the, the world. And, and I thank you for, for what you do. Thank you. Well, thank you for what you do as well. You're it's welcome. Very, these com conversations are very important right now. So yeah. thank you. You're welcome. We need lots of conversations. We do. Have a great day, Lindsay. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you. you. To learn more about Lindsay and Women in Wyoming podcast, visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com episode number 111. If you're out there listening and want to share this episode, I sure would appreciate it. Give us five stars. Give a rating. We take it all. And many thanks to everybody who helps this podcast become a reality each week. My wife, Laura, and the boys, William and Lewis. My musical director, Luke Taylor. My editor, Michael Morey. And marketing director, Michael Morey again. Thank you, everybody. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection. <laughs>